Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in Madison. I'm here with my co-host, Dean Manchi from Kimberly in the Fox Valley Throws. Coach Manchi, over there? Absolutely. Oh, we got a great one today. We got a great one today. We're very excited. Um, I'm going to introduce this guy and let him chat a little bit about his background, what he's doing now. Uh, he, was a, he was an athlete at the University of Wisconsin when I was there. Uh, we were very fortunate to have him for a year. Um, he became one of my favorite players because he was a guy that we never had to take off the field. Um, you know, there's some guys that, you know, as a tailback, sometimes they're a first and second down guy and, you know, they bring a third down guy in to catch balls. And sometimes this guy was a little scarier on third down than he was on first and second down. But um, very, very excited to always have former players of mine and, and Dean, you know, when we had AJ Klein as a former player of yours, just to see the growth that they've had as young men and young women uh, after they leave us either in high school, college or the private sector and what they're doing now. So without further ado, I want to bring on Brian Calhoun. Brian, are you there? I am. I'm here. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I appreciate you guys. Um, have me on and, and get able to check in and see also what I'm doing, but also to kind of give you insight in my journey um, kind of through this strength and conditioning performance world. That's that's great. We're looking really forward to talking with you, Brian. Um, so just for our listeners, you know, I know there's we have a lot of listeners, a lot of high school kids um, that were pretty young when you played um, at Wisconsin. <laughs> um, but we also have a lot of high school coaches and high school admins. And, you know, just a great representation that you've given both as a high school athlete, as a college athlete, as a pro athlete, you know, of our state and of yourself as a man and, and whatnot. So share us, share a little bit with our listeners, your journey and things you've done in your career, because you've had an incredible career, both as a player and a coach. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, like my journey and career has kind of been, I would say, all over the place. You know, I grew up a military kid. Um, so I didn't move into Wisconsin until I was about 12, 13 years old. Um, so I went to Oak Creek High School. You know, I was a three-sport three athlete there. I played, um, you know, football, basketball, ran track. Um, and then so I, I was fortunate enough to um, able to get uh, some scholarship offers my senior year. Um, and I, I chose um, University of Colorado Boulder um, right out of high school. I competed in track and football there. Um, and then about halfway through my career in 2004, I transferred back to Wisconsin. So I was at Madison in 2004, 2005. Um, I, was, I was able to be in on some pretty good teams and lucky enough to have enough success to get drafted by the Detroit Lions in the third round in 2006. Um, unfortunately, you know, I had an injury kind of riddled career up there. And so I was there for three and a half years. And then at that point, I was really searching and figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, post-career, which, not, you know, for a lot of people, um, a lot of athletes, it's tough. You know, you're, you're, you're all of a sudden, you know, at 21, you have, um, you have reached the point of your life where you, you reached your dream, you've done your career. Uh, it's kind of like starting over. So that was a rough transition for me. Um, and luckily for me, I've had, I've had a lot of mentors over the years um, on the performance side, you know, obviously, working with uh, Coach Bach, Coach Hurst, JD, um, Coach uh, Brad Arnett. Like there's a tons of guys that I've worked with over the years that really piqued my interest in the sports performance field. Um, so after, after my career in Detroit ended in 2009, I played one year in Canada in the CFL. 
And then I started back at Milwaukee Pius, um, coaching high school football, coaching track. And that kind of what jump-started my career. In the high school realm, I was at Pius for four years. Um, coach Christ, um, who's at the head coach of Madison now, he was at Pittsburgh for a couple of years. So I went on as a strength coach, assistant strength coach at the University of Pittsburgh for a couple of years, which is a really cool experience. I get a chance to be around and, and coach James Conner, Tyler Boyd, who's with the Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Donald, who was with the Rams. So it was really cool to see those guys up close and how hard they work and, and what it takes to be on the other side of it, you know, as a, as a player, but now as a coach. And then, you know, um, after that, I was there for almost three years after that stint. Um, I've been in the Milwaukee area the last six years as the director of fitness and performance at Divine Savior Holy Angels High School, which is an all-girl um, Catholic high school. And then um, I have been also coaching football and coaching track at Brookfield Central High School. So um, it's been a journey all over the place, but I feel like the things that I went through earlier earlier in my career, whether it was um, you know playing football, running track, being a multi-sport athlete, but also having some of the I wouldn't necessarily failures, but some of the obstacles you go through um, really helped me get to the mindset I am now. And, and I'm completely different, even as a strength coach, the growth that I've had from now in 2021 to when I first started in 2010. I mean, it's, I, I would probably look at that guy and laugh at, <laughs> at you know, just the growth I've in. And, you know, it's, it's a constant thing of always trying to um, further your education, further your mindset, being around good coaches, um, looking and reading at as many articles and research topics as possible just to expand your knowledge. And I think um, I've, I've done a pretty good job of that over the years and I want to continue to keep growing. That's awesome. B. I mean, that's, you know, being a coach, right. Is, is, it's always evolving and with technology and all the other things that are always evolving, it, it's really important that you always stay on top of your game. I see so many, and I know you personally, so I know that that's what you're doing. You see so many athletes that rely on their athletic career as their, their next thing, you know, well, you know, when I did this, when I did that, things like that. So um, really excited to hear a little bit more on that as we get into this podcast, but I would definitely be remiss uh, if we didn't talk about a, a man very important in your life um, and very important in so many of our lives. Uh, not only personally that I, you know, I've worked with this man before and, and just been able to experience that Wisconsin program under coach Alvarez and what he's done in the state of Wisconsin for not just sports, but just the whole state. I mean, just uh, the mindset that he instilled and, and things like that. And I know you have a, a very special relationship with, with coach Alvy. And, you know, when they announced that he was retiring here on June 30th, uh, they did a, they did a story in the, in the cap times or, or whatever. And at least half the pictures with them were with you. So I don't know if you got like some underlying media deal with them going on or, or what, but not, but you know, as Dean and I were talking, we really wanted to have you share some thoughts on coach Alvarez because the man has touched so many lives. Uh, his don't flinch mentality has changed so many lives has impacted so many lives. So really give us your thoughts on, on coach and, and what he's meant in your life and just what he's meant just to the state and the program. Yeah. Oh man. Coach Alvy, uh, you know, he's, he's truly one of a kind. And um, I feel like um, a lot of people don't know necessarily the story. Cause I always get the question of why did you go to Colorado first and transfer back? 
But it was funny because, you know, like I said, I'm not really originally from Wisconsin. I moved here when I was 12, 13. So, like, I didn't understand the whole, like, thing about Wisconsin Badger football and Green Bay Packers. I didn't understand that. And so he came down and recruited me. He was in my high school um, weight room um, with my high school head coach, Coach Cook. And he sat in the office and he had all of his Rose Bowl rings on his fingers. And so he, he didn't say much. He just sat and kind of crossed his legs and had his rings shining. He was like, you know, we think Wisconsin is the best place for you. Um, and, you know, it goes in his whole spiel. But like for me, it was no disrespect. It was just like, I'm not really from here. I want to, you know, explore all of the options. And and for me, I ended up choosing Colorado because, you know, Coach Eric Bieniemy, who's now the OC for the Kansas City Chiefs, was a phenomenal running back um, in his day, and it was a great coach. So it really was the opportunity to play for him. But uh, it, it was it was always a humbling situation because I remember um, getting on the phone and, and talking with my high school coach about, hey, I want to transfer back. And so then it was like, well, you know, you got to sit down and talk with Coach Alvarez. So me and my parents went and talked with him. And, you know, there was no ill will. There was no ill feelings. Um, you know, he open, welcomed me, me and my family with open arms. And, yeah, that was just the kind of guy he was. I mean, I think I think everybody sees one side as, as being like this this presence and this, you know, kind of fearful guy. But uh, he really cared about all of his players. Um, he really did everything he could to help them out any way possible, whether that's on the field athletically or whether it was off the field. Um, and so he, so it was a, a great relationship. He was very supportive. Um, I remember coming back and I was like, hey, Coach Alvarez, you know, I, I really love to do track in the off season. He was like, hey, that's fine with me. As long as you take care of your schoolwork, as long as you don't miss any workouts, you can run track. So I remember him coming to a bunch of my track meets, just showing support for me and Joe Thomas. So things like that, you know, don't go don't go unnoticed. And I think a um, ton of, of my former teammates have tons of stories about just how supportive he is um, and, and how just a, a good role model he was of just teaching guys, like you said, don't flinch. Um, that whole smart, tough, dependable mantra um, I think that's something that we all bought into and, and whether we were the lesser team or talented team than some, maybe some other teams we played, it didn't matter because you had that mindset of we're not going to flinch no matter if we're up or down or we're in a dogfight. That's the kind of mentality we had. And I think that's why he was so, so successful over all those years he coached. Brian, you mentioned, you know, Oak Creek High School and Oak Creek had a great run there of, of some very great years in high school football in the state of Wisconsin. Then you choose to go to Colorado. You got an excellent opportunity to learn from coach. And when was the defining moment that you decided, Hey, I want to get back to Wisconsin. I want to have this conversation with coach Alvarez yeah. because this transfer portal is really becoming very popular right now. Oh man. It's, it, it's crazy. And it, like, I understand it from a, of a, from an athlete perspective, um, and it's really probably a little bit easier from uh, a team's perspective, right? Like you can just go into this portal and see who's all available. Well, back then it was, you know, technically you were still on scholarship. So you couldn't necessarily talk to other coaches or, so I had to reach out to my coach, my high school coach, and he was talking with coach Murphy and kind of getting this back and forth. And then finally, you know, um, I, I left school, we were done with the semester. So I went home and I was back in Madison for the year. But I actually did not receive my release papers until like July of 2004. So I couldn't work out with the team. I could just work out on my own. 
Um, but the moment was, you know, after the bowl game, which ironically we played Wisconsin. Uh, in won the, that um, game. Wisconsin won that game. And over, and over <laughs> that was the moment. Overtime. It, it was <laughs> overtime. That was the moment, right? Yeah, right there. Ironically, uh, we played Wisconsin in the um, – we're uh geez, what was it? It was uh, in San Antonio. It yeah, was San Antonio. So the um <laughs> what, is, what is that dog on boat? It's in San Antonio. Yes, in San Antonio. And so uh, we lost in overtime, ironically. And then um, you know, I went to spring ball after that game, actually, Coach Ben and me um left and went to UCLA. Um and you know, ironically, that's another story, but I actually hosted Maurice Jones Drew at Colorado. I think he was going to come to Colorado. Then Bienemy goes to UCLA. Morris Jones goes to UCLA. Um, but at that point, I went through spring ball, had a great spring ball. I, w- I played out the, the following year, 2000, um, 2003. Um, you know, I was second team all Big, Big 12 that year. Thought I had a pretty good year. We didn't do as well, five and seven, missed out on the bowl game. But I think at that point, after the season, I was like, this is just not, not a good fit. Um, there were some talks between me and some coaches about moving positions, maybe to a slot receiver or something like that. And I was just like, nah, that's not, that's not really what I'm, I'm interested in. I want to, I want to play tailback, obviously. So then at that point I went through the spring and that's when I kind of started contacting my high school coach and saying, Hey, let's see if something's available, if it's not or whatever. And, and there was a couple other places I was interested in, but literally the moment I told my parents, I wanted to transfer. My mom was like, you're going to Wisconsin. You're not going anywhere else. So you probably thank my mom a lot for me ending up at Wisconsin the second Love time. Awesome. So, uh, but then, you know, honestly, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a great fit. Um, yeah. It was a great transition. Uh, I will say that first year was, was challenging because, you know, I went from a starting running back at Colorado, had a lot of success in my first two years, to now I was on the scout team. Right, so because they because it's different, right? Because it's not like now where you could transfer and play, right? You and JJ right. Watt both had to do right run scout. You were on the scout team for a year because right. you couldn't play. Right. I, I mean, I couldn't. You know, you can't travel to away games. You couldn't even suit up for home games. Um, you know, you had the six a.m. developmental lift. <laughs> I mean, <Yeah>. so it was <laughs> it was a it was a challenging year. Um, but I I mean, honestly, it it really pushed my career into what it is now or what it was at that time, because like I, I learned how to, I relearned how to work, how to be on the, the low man on the totem pole, how to really uh, take advantage of every single rep. And I think that's something that sometimes get lost now is like these kids play so much football or seven on seven tournaments in the summer. And they don't ever really face with a little bit of, you know, adversity or being a little more humble um, but I had to literally go through the number one defense every day. And Coach Bott will tell you, like, I literally took almost every single rep in summer camp. Like, I didn't have a backup. Right. So, I mean, so there was times when, like, yeah, we – okay, let's, t- let's take a minute. Let's let the, you know, the the um, the old group get a quick breather. But, like, I took every single rep because I thought it was, for me, a chance to get better at my craft. And I also thought as, as an outsider, I, I had something to prove not only to the guys that I was playing with in 20, you know, 2004, but also the next year in 20, uh, uh, 2005. I mean, that's a great story, Brian, because, you know, you see it, you know, at all levels, you see uh, athletes, whether they're at the freshman JV level and they're superstars, right? They, you know, they're, they're just dominating their competition. Then they move up to the varsity level and there's a guy in front of them or conversely, 
you know, you're, you're an all state athlete or whatever. And then you go get, you move on to a division one or even any college scenario. And all of a sudden there's, there's a junior who's a starter and your, your role is lessened. And then obviously in your scenario, the ultimate, you know, you're a college, you know, superstar had an amazing year. And then you go to the NFL and all of a sudden everybody, how, give us some advice for, for young kids on how to handle that. Most kids aren't going to be at that end spectrum, but mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners and even coaches on how to talk to athletes yeah, to reassure them that, Hey, you know, process focus results driven right. as they're, as they're doing that, you move up a level, it's going to be harder, you know, give right. us some, give some, give the kids some advice on, on how to handle that. Yeah. I think the number, the hardest thing for kids now is to kind of project into the future, right? Most coaches can be looking at kids and say, okay, this is where you can probably project to if you put in the work now. It's tough for kids to have that mindset. And I wish I had coaches being like, hey, you have to put in the work now for the future, right? Like the now, and I think that's tough, like, because I'm, I'm in the process, like, I'm teaching these kids how to work, right? But what you put in now, like the posits you put in now, you, you could take out that more at the end. And I think that's tough for kids to look at that way. And I wish that was something that I understood when I was younger. Um, but yeah, and, and it's tough, but you, you know, I think kids have to put in the work um, and that, and I think it comes down to that's very simple. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? Like putting in the work and that's like the daily stuff, whether it's the weight rooms, right? The, whether it's taking care of your business in school, competing in other sports, right? Like all those things are in a, in a big pot of putting in the work. And I, I don't know, I know a lot of kids are willing to put in the work, but you know, it's a whole famous like saying of like, it takes what it takes. And I think sometimes you, you find kids who want the pro who want the, all the success, but they don't want to put all the work in. Cause it's tough, right? It's tough. Maybe not having as much of a social life. It, it's tough. Maybe always studying either plays or watching film. Like it's tough and it, it's not for everybody. And so I think, if you can just really lock in and put in the work, I think you'll have success. And whether that's at whether that's at a division three level, a two level, a division one level, I think everybody gets stuck on this division one. But you know, we see the the old lineman from Whitewater, right? Like oh. I mean, right? Like yeah. we've seen guys from different levels. If you can play, you can play. And so that's why you gotta put in the work, whether whatever level you're on. And and I think we got to really get back to the kids understanding like there's a right way and a wrong way how to work. And we just got to continue to instill that. But I, I think there's kids that want it, you know, but they don't, you know, it's just a different mindset of, Hey, it's just not like a, a two month thing or a three month thing. You know, it's a, it's a year round commitment. With that being said though, it's important that kids compete in other sports, right? It, it's, it's completely vital. I, I don't understand the kids that I deal with now. They're like, Hey, I got, you know, this soccer practice and then I'm doing club volleyball. And it's like, well, what's your end season? If you're in track, then you're in track. If you're in football, then you're in football. If you're in basketball, we're not doing basketball, then going home afterwards and doing soccer, right? Like it just doesn't add up. And it's no wonder why your legs are dead. No wonder why you can't move. Like we have to focus on being a multi-sport athlete and doing different things. Yeah, go ahead, Bob. I think, uh, and Joe Thomas uh, brought this up when I chatted with him the other day, make the main thing the main thing. 100%. Right? 100%. Yeah. And it is different, right? When me and Joe were in, in high school, right, there wasn't a lot of, AAU was mainly in the summer for basketball, right? There wasn't, um, you know, traveling baseball, or actually most of the baseball seasons were in the summer for high schools. 
Um, so it was just different. Um, and I just think that now the kids are getting stressed so, so you know, stretched so thin. Um, now all sports are, are suffering. So, um, but I, I think it's important to be a multi-sport athlete. Um, you can still, you can still lift and train and, and, and do what you need to do. Like for the guys that haven't tracked, you know, they're all football players. They want to lift. Okay, we're going to lift. We're going to do all of our main lifts two or three times a week. That's what we're going to do. And, and then you're still continue to get fast because when we watch college football, and I'm sorry, I'm going like on a tangent, but if we watch <laughs> college football, right? All those guys, right? You look at the, yeah, you look at the interior linemen and say, oh, they're big and physical, but a lot of those guys can move, right? And then you look at all the skilled guys, it's like, man, those guys can really fly. So when you got guys that can move and athletic and can run, I mean, it, I think it's just, it's, it's lights out for teams. And I think sometimes, you know, we get in this mindset of like, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to lift you around and do football. It's like, well, there's benefits. And Dean, you know, you've had tons of throwers, right? There's benefits of doing both. Right. And, and, and so I, I harp on my kids all the time. It's like, you, you, there's no better speed training than, than track. Right. And like, you know, when you're a thrower, right, you're getting all that strength and power work, right. That's all football is for interior linemen. So, I mean, I preach to my kids all the time. They're probably sick of me preaching to them, but I'm going to continue to do it because that's my job. And, and I wish I had a coach that was passionate about the things that I'm trying to teach them. I wish I had a coach when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. So I know Sorry, Brian. I, went a, I went on a tangent because oh, once, right. once you get me riled up. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, let it rip. <laughs> you know, our football track connection is huge, Brian. And uh, obviously you you working with sprinters and jumpers and myself working with throwers. We've seen – the impact that can make on the confidence of an athlete and not only as far as the mental part of it, but also about the physical part of it. You go out for track and, and you sprint and, and you get a, a valid assessment as far as your time, you're going to, you're going to get faster. You know, we always mm -hmm. tell our kids, if you want to sprint and you want to get faster, you got to sprint and you got to sprint 90% or greater of your mm -hmm. top speed. You know, you want to get strong in a weight room, you got to be 85% or greater right. of your one rep max. Right. And and the only way to do that is to, to go ahead and compete. You know, our big thing at Kimberly High School, since we got the indoor is, you know, you don't, you work more fast twitch muscle fibers sprinting than you do any exercise in a weight room. And I think a lot of people, you know, just kind of get away from that. There's a reason mm -hmm. why volleyball kids can jump high because mm -hmm. they're jumping a lot right. in volleyball practice. Right. You know, and uh, I, I think that football track connection is so huge with high school athletes. High school. I, I, I agree. And like, I, you know, I was a big track athlete in high school. And I, I think it's the thing that I really enjoyed about it was like, you couldn't, I don't want to say you couldn't hide as an athlete. For me, it was like, hey, once I'm in the, in, on, the, on the track or I'm jumping, like it's me and the bar, me and the finish line. So I couldn't hide or I couldn't you know, blame a, a teammate or whatever, like, it's just me. Uh, and, I, and I also like it from a coaching standpoint, because it's more of a personal connection, because it's like, hey, this is the plan for you guys or the relays. This is our personal plan. You get to work that plan day by day, where football is a little bit different, right? Like you have an, an offense and plays and, and special teams and defense. So it's a little bit different, but I, I love, I love track. And I think each year, the kids are always surprised that you know, I love track just as much as I love football because it's something that I am passionate about. And it's something I've always done since I was since I was young. So they always get started when I'm fired up if we're doing, you know, wickets or sled pulls or something. And they finally feel what it feels like 
and what it's supposed to sound like, they get they get kind of startled because I get fired up and I'm screaming and everybody's hooping and hollering. But that's just the passion I have. And like I said, I'm just trying to give them a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of um, access to what it feels like to be successful. And then, you know, once the, the meet comes, and that's what it is. So, you know, I always tell the throwers that tape measure doesn't lie. It doesn't. You know, I, <laughs> it doesn't. And that's going with you. You know, in football, you know, two guys can make a mistake on a eleven people trying to do their job, and all of a sudden the play's blowing out. Right. Exactly. And then track and field, you go in the ring, and it's you know it's a seven foot ring and shot put and eight foot. Two and a half inches in discus, and you know you can't really blame anybody, right? You know, and uh, it, it really gives kids an opportunity to compete, which is huge. We're going to lead on to our next question. I remember when Brian and I came down and, and did the strength and conditioning clinic at Brookfield Center with yourself and Coach Nellis, and Coach Nellis was a Badger too. Yeah, and uh, you know I was so impressed with your work ethic and your growth mindset. You were taking notes. You were asking very very intelligent questions and, you know, Hey, what are you guys doing at Kimberly? What are you guys doing at sports advantage and, and blah, blah, blah. But what advice would you give to coaches? Cause a lot of times, you know, coaches are so stuck in their way. You know, I think you got to get different views from other people and other coaches, you know, might not agree with them or disagree with them, but you know, I think you got to find out is how do you apply that to your program? It's a lot different Probably right. at your school than it is at Kimberly High School. Right. So, you know, how, what's your advice for coaches, young coaches especially? I mean, yeah, and I, I you know, I, I still technically consider myself a young coach. I, I try to surround myself around some really smart individuals like you guys and, and ask as many questions as possible. And even if it doesn't necessarily fit exactly what I'm doing, you can still – make it work within your philosophy of, of the setup you have, whether it's a, how it's the space you have or the equipment you have, you can still translate some of the things that you guys do. And so that, that that's all I do. I mean, I try to go to as many clinics as possible, watch as many people talk as possible, read as many articles as possible. And, and sometimes I just like to go watch also, right? Like how, maybe how can I communicate this differently to an athlete or how can I, you know, really really trying to get to this athlete compared to that athlete because clearly they get it and this kid's struggling a little bit and so I think that developing a relationship with the athletes you work with um, is key I think that's one thing that I've kind of learned over the years and although it's tough because sometimes I'm training teams you know teams 20 30 kids at a time it's tough but you, you as a coach I think it's our responsibility to continue to develop that relationship but for me I just want to surround myself around as many smart people as possible. Um, if, if I'm the smartest person in the room, then I'm the, clearly in the wrong room, right? So I, for me, I just continue to read and read and read and understand, like, why is it this is what Coach Dean does or why is this what Coach Bot does? Like, I'm trying to understand because, I, like, you know, when I first started coaching track in 2010, luckily for me, I had a really talented kid. He ended up winning state in the 100 and 1070. And, and, but I also think, like I, I wasn't doing fly tens and I wasn't doing, you know, some of these things that are more, I wasn't really like recording times and, and doing all this stuff, but, but it was continuing the mindset. Um, and he ran 1070 and despite me probably having very limited experience besides what I knew and what I did as an athlete. So I, I think, you know, as years progress, you continue to learn and, and do the best you can for your athletes. But I think there's no excuse with the, the amount of information information and clinics and, and people that we know there's no excuse for you not to get better 
Um, because if you're not getting better, you're probably getting worse. Right. I think, it, you know, that another coach Alvarez saying, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? Um, you know, Brian, I think, you know, we all agree that, you know, multi-sport athletes like you talked about is so important uh, for anything outside of just injury prevention for kids, right. different movements and things like that. So, you know, we've touched on multi-sport athletes pretty, pretty in depth, which is something we really want to touch base with you on because you were very successful in two sports. Mm -hmm. Tell us the importance, you know, from your perspective, because you went through really an in-season football program, like you said, where you were taking more reps probably as a scout team player than you were as mm -hmm. a starter. Right. You also went through a four-day-a-week developmental lift at six in the morning. Oh, yeah. Okay, so tell us how important and tell our coaches because i think our, our sport coaches need to hear this more so than our athletes please explain to our sport coaches why from your a guy who's played at the highest level the value of strength training in season year round because at the end of the day and i speak when i speak to you know at clinics and when i speak to sport coaches my thing is this like if i'm talking to kimberly high school i'm going to tell coach jones hey you know, this isn't a football athlete. This is, this is Kimberly's athlete. This kid may be playing baseball with coach McGinnis and maybe playing ba basketball. So we have to look out what's best for the individual athlete, which means they need to train and develop year round. So give us just some thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, you know, and it's, I think we have this whole thing about off season training and then in season training, right? Like I feel like most places it, it shouldn't look a lot different. If you train right in the offseason, it shouldn't look a lot different. Sure, the volume's different, right, because you're playing a game. Um, but I remember a few years ago when you were at Wisconsin Bot and you guys, the whole old line PR'd in the squat, you know, through the middle of October, November, right? Like, right. It, the volume, sure, is going to be down. But the intensity is still there, and the intent is still there. So, and I, I think that's where we kind of get in the offseason. We're, we're going after these maxims and these 1,000-pound clubs. But then all, the, all of a sudden we get to end season, it's like – you know, two days or one day, and it's it's kind of it drops off. So I think therefore performance is going to drop off. I think the the likelihood likelihood of injuries are going right. to significantly rise because we're not training the same. We're not uh, you know not get it. High school we're playing a you know you're playing a game every week. Um, you got a JV game on Thursday. Um, so I understand, but I think you still have to have the same intensity in the weight room, whether it's the in season or off season. You know, for me, I, I deal with the whole, you know, all the female athletes are, you know, crazy. We have over 700 girls. Um, we have a successful volleyball program, a successful soccer program, successful basketball program. Rarely do those kids play multiple sports. Rarely. So those girls are not the same girls in every sport. They are individual girls. So I, I fight with some of them all the time because, I like, you're literally playing volleyball year-round. Or you're, you're literally playing soccer year round. And I go, imagine, A, how great your team would be in high school. But you get a chance to not burn out. Right? You get a chance to play something else and not burn out. And also, like, like your injury prevention, you're using the same – if you play soccer every day or all year round, you're using the same muscles. And likely likelihood of burnout and likelihood of injury, right, are, are significantly higher. Plus, in high school, they're probably not getting the nutrition that they need. And they're probably not sleeping the way they need. So, so now we're just on a reserve every day trying to catch up with school and practice. And, and so I, I fight tooth and nail with some of these parents because I'm like, it's okay to, to take a break and do something else. Because you're not, 
you may not be working on the soccer skills in basketball, like directly, but you're still, you're still being able to learn how to move laterally, how to accelerate and decelerate, which all those skills are translated to sport to sport. And I just, I, I don't understand. And I will, you know, die on that hill of multi-sport athletes or you need to be in other sports. Cause you know, and I, I go through this and, and there's no offense to some of these all smaller local colleges, but you know, I've had a ton of athletes that, you know, play four years of, of club volleyball, don't want to come out for track or maybe can't come every single day. And it's, and then they, they end up going to, you know, a, a division three school, which no disrespect, there's a lot of great division three schools, but you could have get to the same division three school. If you participate in a fall sport and volleyball, basketball in the spring and the winter, maybe track in the spring, or maybe just do two sports. You still could have went to that division three school, which are really a lot of really good division three schools in the state. You could have did all that and still had the high school career you wanted. So I, I just don't, I don't understand. And like I said, I fight with parents every day, every year about the same concept. Um, and, and I, and I know things slightly are different than when I was in high school 20 years ago, but not really right. Like they, they should be able to, participate and you know what and I think it's these sport coaches on these on these teams that don't understand like they can still be getting better at soccer if they're playing basketball or if they're playing football in the fall like they, there's, there's still ways to compromise and still get better Brian what's uh you know just so you know you're not alone in this category you know <laughs> we struggle with the same thing you know it, it, it just seems to be a societal thing and you know, and educating parents and educating kids. And, you know, I know there's a lot of private opportunities out there. And I know Bod is big in the multi-sport athletes and everything else. But um, it, it, it's very difficult conversations that we have to have with yeah. kids. And many times we'll have many individuals at high school level that hardly ever play that are playing on their school team that, that aren't playing on their school team very much that are going to AAU and they're going and they're flying all over the country and, and uh, going in all these tournaments and spending money like crazy. And not only from injury prevention standpoint, the multi-sport, but the biggest thing I think we, we, we all learn from every coach that we ever have in every sport. And I think when we think of the lifelong lessons, you've had so many coaches over your career and we all have, but those things that you learn, you know, that's, what's going to make, you a better husband and a be, you know a better right. son and a better community person and and all of that. And I think a lot of these kids are trying to specialize in high school when they should be specializing in college. And even in your case, you did two sports at the collegiate right. level. You talked about Joe Thomas doing the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. And I know in our case, Jamie Wells was a Kimberly grad and he did baseball and football at Northern Illinois. And um, you know, I just think that's something I wish we could get through with parents and, and understand that, yep, you know, multiple sports is, is going to be a, a big, big benefit for that individual. Yeah. And, and, and usually to finish this point, and usually the kids that if they're on a high school team in season, usually they're getting some type of in season training as well, right? If they're out of season, unless they're with people like bot, if they're, if they're, doing traveling, a lot of them aren't doing any type of strength training. So like you're missing that component as well. And you're just not with your team, right? Like I'm a big component. Like, don't get me wrong. I've trained at private facilities. I've 
when I was doing my rehab and stuff, I worked with Brad Arnett, but like there is something to be said about putting your sweat equity with your team, whether that's in season, whether that's out of season, whether that's in the summer, like that's a different type of bond because, uh, you know, as, as, many, as cheesy as it may sound, like when you're in this sixth game or seventh game or you're in the playoffs in the fourth quarter, you're looking next to you like, hey, all right, we put this work in the summer. I know I can count on you, but sometimes it's like, well, you were kind of here. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there starts to be some eye rolls when it's like, hey, we need this fourth and one. And I know I, I know the four guys to my right were 100 percent attendance. My guys, my left, you know what I mean? Like that comes into play. And I think that sweat, sweat, sweat equity is important for, for kids, although, you know, they're 17, 18. But that, that stuff matters. One of the things, too, Brian, and, and, you know, that that's one of those things where, you know, as a, in the private sector, you know, and I see this with a lot of younger trainers that are opening up places and, and things like that, is that selling the kids on, hey, come train with me because our program is better than your high school program, you know, and things like that. And that's one of the things that, that I made sure that we didn't do. Um, you know, we have a, you know, our new facility in Wanakee, obviously, you know, maybe probably the most dominant football program over the last 25 years. Um, Some other programs in the area, the message I'm sending to coaches is this, Hey, your strength program is your strength program. If you want help designing, helping with that, we're all for helping the kids, however we can want. Tell me something that you, that you're not able to do with your kids. Give us some things that maybe, you know, kids want to do extra that maybe you don't have an indoor. So maybe from, you know, November through April, you have nowhere to run your kids. So you're lifting your kids, but you want to, you know, make them better athletes. That's where we can help, you know, how, and then the communication, you know, with those coaches, I am an open book with any coach that sends a player to me. Hey, this is what we did today with them. What did you do? You know, let me know what you're doing in the weight room. Because like you said, once you start telling, you know, and trying to sell, your business over the kids development, then you're becoming selfish, you know? And so from our vantage point, it's always been, what can we do to add to the value of what you're already providing? Absolutely. hundred percent. Not, and I, like I said, I'm, I don't care. <coughs> I, I know it all, but I, I'm willing to reach out to any coach and say, if you, if you want to know how to run maybe an off season, like sprint program or a speed program, reach out to me. Yeah. I'll, you can come watch me. I'll come, I'll come help you guys. Like I'm, I am not above reproach. Right? I don't think I'm like this, this high in my, I've had success over the years and I've had success in track and stuff like that. So I, I but everything I've learned, I've stolen from somebody else or I've stolen from Bot or so like, you know, I think that's just the world it is. And I feel like sometimes, you know, this, it's, the strength and conditioning world is funny. I mean, they're just, they're, they're, it's a funny group because it's like, we kind of, need help when we all start but once we get to a certain point we don't really ask any more questions and we just judge everybody it's like everybody started from ground zero at some point everybody needs help everybody needs fresh ideas and and so I feel like there needs to be a more working together but I also think a a lot of coaches that maybe are just sport coaches that are forced into running the weight room you know just asking for help because maybe that's not their forte maybe they don't have a lot of background that and just asking for help and and I think that's where we can tie in, you know, the sport coaches and the uh, strength conditioning coaches. And O'Brien, one thing that really, you know, is kind of a pet peeve on what I see 
or a big mistake high school kids make is they're they'll, they'll get to their junior or senior year and then they'll quit a sport yeah. to try to earn a scholarship like you mentioned before and maybe maybe they end up getting a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars but you know when i talk to a lot of athletes like yourself that have been at the highest level the nfl and they come back and they start talking about stories that their high school experience is what they miss the most being around mm-hmm. their classmates, mm-hmm. you know, and having that sometimes that, that is more important than having, um, you know, being in the NFL yeah. with that experience. So that's the most important time. I just saw or listened to a podcast and Joel Schobert said, you know, high school was the best experience you ever had. Right. You know, and I, I think that's one thing high school kids don't understand when you're done with your high school career, it's over. It's over. You're not going back. <laughs> you know, so th- those are big choices people make. And a lot of times I don't think they make the right choice for them, unfortunately. And it's always bothered me as a coach because we try to, you know, educate them and say, hey, you're only in high school once, you know, finish the race type thing. And then, you know, somebody's like, well, I'm going to quit because I-, I think I-, I can get a little bit more, you know, scholarship money this way. But Many times they're going to the Division three level or the Division two level, and they could have had that same experience, just right. like you mentioned right. there. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with that level at all. You know, I, I get a lot of pushback because of, you know, whether the, the, the parents or the kids think that, well, you play in the NFL, so you could afford to do three sports, or Joe Thomas or Joe Sherbert or, or all these different stats about all these kids playing multiple sports. Well, they're, they're playing in the NFL, so they're just really talented. I'm like – Okay, I, I see what you're saying, but the, the idea is at that point in my career, I didn't know I was going to play in the NFL. Like, I, I didn't know I was going to go on Division One. The idea was I'm going to play football because I love football. I'm going to play basketball because I love basketball. It's going to make me better at football. I'm going to run track because I love track, but it's going to make me better at basketball and football. Like, it all was a, a, a recycling revolving door, and I, I just, you know, it's a tough conversation that I have to have, like you said, Dean, all the time. Um and it, but it's okay because I'm a, I'm a die on that hill. I'm a big component of multi-sport athletes, and some of the best teams that I've I've, I've ever coached at Brookfield Central, all those girls were two, three-sport athletes, and there's no, there. It's not a coincidence they end up breaking all the school records and, and winning all the time. There's no coincidence with that. So I'll continue to to drill in to my kids, and if I can get it one by one to to understand, then that's what I'm gonna do. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a tough conversation to have, and I think that's not going away anytime soon, Dean. Right. So the name of our you know podcast is Get Your Edge, you know, and we all kind of look back and they, well, I wish I would have knew this when I was in high school. So if you just had to pick, I mean, obviously we talked about multiple sports yeah. being so big, so we're not going to hit on that, but a couple things that you would uh, give for little golden nuggets for high school athletes out there or any athlete for that competitive advantage, what would you tell, or what are you telling your athletes at your school? Um, yeah, a couple of things, a couple of things that I tell my athletes, you know, all the time is number one, I care or we care, right? Like kids really want to know that you care. It's not necessary. And we've heard the saying, like, it's not necessarily what you know, it's about, you know, how much the kids know they care about you. But also I would say be in the moment, right? Because like I said, once high school's over, it's over. Um, you don't realize how important um, that time is. Um, and like for me, it's like, you know, things maybe each day happens slow, but all of a sudden you look up and it's like four years ago and you're a senior. All of a sudden, 
you know, four years gone, you now you're, you know, you're now you're graduating college. So I think, you know, be in the moment, be present, but also you don't want to leave something out there. You know, you want to work um, as hard as you can for that day and then reset and do the same thing the next day. And I think having that mentality of trying to do the best you can will be the best version of you every single day. I mean, that's what I tell my kids and I'm sure they're probably sick of hearing it, but they need to hear it because that, like I said, one day this high school will be over, you know, one day college will be over because a lot of them probably won't compete in college. And then, you know, now you're in the real world and you're looking back and now you have to support yourself or support a family. And, and those, and those high school days are over. Right. So it's like be in the moment, work as hard as you can at this moment. And, and, it, and know that, you know, we care and the coaches care and want the best for you. That's awesome, Brian. I think before we finish up here, I want to, I want to go to a story that, you know, happened to you, you know, when you were training for the, for the combine and, and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and just the value of, I, I think, you know, I don't know really how to word this without, you know, being unpolitically correct, I guess, but, you know, finding people you can trust, right. And, and understanding that sometimes, you know, and yeah, I'm a, I, I work in the private sector, but we have a lot of kids that put a lot of faith and trust in us and kids that, you know, when they go off to college, they still come back and train with us, even though they're, we're nuts and bolts, you know, we're, we're nuts and bolts when you train, you know, all the major things you need to get done. That's what we're going to do. We're not flash and dash, very similar to Dean, very similar to you, right? It's, it's what can we get the most bang for your buck for? Um, you know, you went away and, and trained and then came back, you know, after, the combine and really put a high emphasis on working with, with coach Detman and, and myself mm-hmm. and our staff before your pro day, because you wanted to do better. You know what I mean? And, right. and I think you came back and we're like, I, I just don't feel right. You know what I mean? And just the value of being around someone that knows you so well right. and, and a coach, you know, and putting faith in, you know, we see it a lot with even like some of our college kids that, that we've worked with and you know, maybe they get drafted and all of a sudden, you know, the workout that whichever team sent them is their new Bible, you know, and this is what we should do versus, you know, you got this far by doing it this way. Right. Why would you want to change? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I, I think if, if there's anything that I would change in my career would be, um, a lot of a lot of that process right after my my year playing, we just won the Capital One Bowl, um, and I think unfairly the NFL has this really short timeline for underclassmen to declare. Correct. I think right. literally it's like four or five days later, so I think a lot of kids are, are rushed into the process of declaring or not, and then you got to figure out training. For me, I made the mistake of going down um, to Atlanta. Not that. It's not, you know, there's, I think there's value in places like that for, for training, but I, I always look back and, and think it was, it was a bad move on my part just because, you know, so many guys spend four years or five years with a strength staff and then all of a sudden and they got, you know, six weeks to train for the, the pro day and all of a sudden they leave and go to XOs or these places and, you know, warm places. Um, I just think sometimes for a lot of people, that's a mistake. Some people are just going to run a 4-3 no matter what, right? Jonathan Taylor's going to run a 4-3. He wakes up out of bed. doesn't matter. Um, a lot of these first-round guys are going to be first-round guys no matter what. I just feel like there's always um, the guys, especially for me, I think it was just a mistake. I should have stayed with the staff that I, I felt comfortable with, the staff that I trusted, um, you know, the staff that was home. 
And so I, I wasted, you know, two, two and a half, three weeks in Atlanta. Not like I said, nothing against Atlanta. It was just I just finished playing a full season, right? I carried the ball more than anybody else that year. Right. Um, I just declared like me five or six days later, you know, and then it's like I needed time to a let my body kind of heal. But I could have did that, and I should have did that at Madison because they knew me the best. The training staff knew me. The weight room staff knew me. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's one of the things I regret. But, you know, once we got stuff figured out, um, had a great pro day, you know, was fortunate to get drafted by the Lions. So um, it all worked out. But I, I understand why guys do go to California and Texas, and it all looks cool, and you get to train with other top guys. But I think some of those lower guys, I think sometimes they make the mistake of going to these big flashy places where you just stay with the staff that you've been working with for three, four, five years. They got your best interest at heart. And I think the other thing, just a quick follow-up, right, is what we what we saw and what we see is when guys, they're either in their senior year in college or, you know, that last bowl game, okay, I'm going to dial in my diet. I'm going to get the, you know what I mean? Oh that point it's, it's price too, wait, it's why would late. you start it when you walk in the door right 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 like why why wait what are you waiting for like it it's like cramming right. for the test right, right. well because guys in the back of their mind always think i have more time right they always think i have more time once i declare now i'm gonna get right it's like because it, because you know what? it's hard it takes discipline to do that for four or five years so it's really hard but when it's like okay i'm getting drafted in three months now I have to, now I can dial in. And that's, that's not how it works. I mean, you got to be locked in for the moment you start, but it's hard, right? It's, it's it hard to be disciplined hard. that long. So it's like as adults, when we got to go like to Cancun, like in two months, it's like, <laughs> oh, I better dial in, right? Um, <laughs> right. You got anything else for Brian? No, I just, thanks a lot, Brian, for coming on. We appreciate it. You know, you're a Wisconsin icon and enjoyed watching you play and I've enjoyed having you as a friend and talking strength and conditioning. And uh, this has been a great time. Appreciate no, it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, like I said, now that the summer's here and kind of the, uh, the restrictions have kind of been lifted a little bit, hopefully I can get a chance to check you about you out in Wanakee and then Dean, of course you and Kimberly, I would love to come see what you guys do and just watch you guys work. Love you, BC. Just so many great memories. Um, so proud of you. Um, I, you know, I hope that, you know, that hopefully had a little influence on, on you and your career and your life. I, you're just such a great young man. And uh, we're just so blessed to have you come back to Wisconsin for a couple of years and then, you know, develop a, you know, a professional relationship with you as well and um, doing great things at, at the school you're at and continue to develop. And we really appreciate you having or, uh, you coming on today for us. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Much respect. Absolutely. Thank you. So that's going to wrap it up. We will see you next time. Chop it.